Welcome. You are at the breakout on worry and anxiety. My name is Connie Larson. I am Matt Larson's mom and Kevin Bailey's aunt and the wife of Steve Larson, who was pastor at the Bridge Church in Newbury Park, which was formerly the Evangelical Free Church of the Conejo Valley, and we were there. <laughs> we were there for 33 years. And during that time that we were there, I loved to teach God's Word. And over time, it became very clear to me that people would get, including me, would get stuck in ruts and in bad habits. And they would be self-defeating almost in their walk with Jesus. And about 14 years ago, I decided to go back to college. I was 51, and I wanted to get my master's in biblical counseling, which I did, and have proceeded to self-counsel and work through issues, but also to meet with uh, others to counsel. And my husband and I do a lot of marriage and family counseling, parenting. And uh, it's been a, a great input in my life that has helped me in my walk with Jesus and in helping others to walk with Jesus. So today we're going to look at overcoming worry and anxiety. And I want to tell you it's been an issue that I've had to deal with in my life. And even as I look here, I know I'm not alone. So welcome to the worry crowd, the anxious crowd. Um, it makes me feel better. And I know it, it helps us all to realize that what we struggle with is not just our problem. It's common to man. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He promises to stand by his word, to, to deliver on what he says. He, when he says something, he will do it. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted whether to worry or be anxious, beyond what you are able. But with that temptation will provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear up under it or to live through it, endure it. Our thinking of escape is, wow, God's just going to give me the trap door. I'm going to get out of this problem. I'll, I'll just won't have to worry or be anxious about it again. But that's not what he says here. He'll give you a way like through the tunnel, a way out. And he's going to walk with you through that tunnel to get to the other side. He's going so that you can live through this and with this. So that's God's promise in 1 Corinthians 10.13. We're all in this. It's common. We're going to look at Matthew 6 today. So turn to Matthew 6.25. <clears throat> And when somebody gets Matthew 6.25, would you read it loudly? 
Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Thank you. This, what's the command here in this verse? Do not worry. Or stop worrying. It's a directive. Jesus talking to us, giving us a command for us to obey. It's not just a, you know, a, something that everybody does. Oh, you know, my mom worried, my grandma worried. I'm just a born worrier. That's just what I do. That's just what our family does. We worry. Uh, Jesus is telling us here that worry is something we need to stop doing. What's important for us is to look, when we look at scripture, is to kind of look at the context of it. Because verse 25 starts with, for this reason I say to you, or your version might say, therefore. So when it starts like that, we need to kind of look at the context. What's happening here? Well, Matthew 6 is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is out on the mount a mountain. There's thousands of people there who have come to hear what he has to say and he's teaching them about what it means to be a follower of Christ. About a God, what it means to be a God follower. It's different from anything that they've known or been taught before. It's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new reality. So let's look before and closer verses. Let's look at verse 19 through 21. Would someone read verses 19 through 21 for me? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and seal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and seal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's basically bringing up in this section that there are two realities. You can lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, so there's an earthly reality, or you can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's actually, for believers in Jesus, there's a heavenly reality. We have a choice of these two ways of living. And that comes up here, and it says, For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So you can tell where your heart is by where your focus is. Is it on what the earth has to offer or what God has to offer? And verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will, be, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or God and this earth. So here again, we see, wow, he's presenting a choice. We can't, we can't focus on living our lives to be successful on this earth and to live with all of these and choose to follow after God. We have to make a choice between one or the other. And then he jumps into, therefore, 
Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, what you will drink. So we have to make a choice on what our reality is. And Jesus says, stop worrying. So before we go further, let's look at some definitions for worry and anxiety. Uh, Philippians 4, and you might be familiar with this, and it's been brought up a few times recently, but it says, verse 6, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... Well, I'll stop there. Do not be anxious about anything. So Matthew are Jesus' specific words. Philippians 4, it's actually Paul writing to the Philippian church. And what I want to tell you right off the bat is all of this book, this whole Bible, is God's word to us. Everything in here is written by God, inspired by God. He used different men to write his words to us. So when we look at Philippians 4 and it says, don't be anxious about anything, that's God speaking to us just as much as Jesus saying, stop worrying. Now what's interesting about stop worrying and don't be anxious, those two words are the same Greek word, worry and anxiety. Now what's interesting is I went online, that's what all worriers do, they go to check and make sure they have something worry worthy. <laughs> and, they, and so I asked, what's the difference between worry and anxiety? And our world the worldly system actually, I mean, the internet actually gave me some differences. They said worry is more uh, uh, localized to a specific thought. It has to do with your thoughts. Whereas anxiety is what takes over your body. And then they said worry is more specific. You worry about whether you're going to get a raise. Whereas anxiety, it, it's like swirling thoughts that kind of multiply and add up. And it's like, oh, well, if I don't get a raise, how am I going to pay for this? And then where will my kids go to school? And what will they be here? And so anxiety kind of takes on a life of its own. It might take that one initial thought and it whew, takes it out of control. And then your body starts reacting to it. And pretty soon you're like ready to escape so worry is basically the same thing as anxiety, but it's, it's thinking about something more than it should be thought about. <laughs> it's taking something and uh, working it around when we should not be doing that. Um, so the word kind of covers a range of experiences and emotions. What's also interesting is in Philippians 2, the word, the same Greek word is used for the word concern. So Paul had, or the church of Philippi had a concern for Paul, or Paul had a concern for the church. Can't remember which one it is, but concern sounds good. You know, I'm concerned that this will happen. And then worry can... You know, move it along a little bit more where, like when my daughter uh, went away to college, she was born and bred in Southern California, 
and uh, she went to college in Illinois, and I worried about her driving in the snow. And as any good mother would do, I watched the Weather Channel, so I would see when she was getting a blizzard, and I would call her and tell her, you shouldn't be out driving. Uh, now, that was worry, maybe concern taken to worry, and I would worry about it, but if I let it get into anxiety, I would start thinking about, oh, what's going to happen if she gets into, drives into a snowbank? Who will she call? Will anybody find her? Oh, my goodness. And we take our thoughts, and they start swirling. And I think of anxiety as almost a development or a taking worry to a greater degree. And it can become even incapacitating because it's become such a... Um, habitual pattern and it can take over our bodies that we just become paralyzed. I was talking to a young college friend recently and she said, oh, I just got, I just was, wor I just got so anxious the other day, I just couldn't stand it. And I said, well, tell me what, tell me what you were thinking about and what happened. So she said, well, it started with, I realized uh, she was at a junior college. She says, I realized if I wanted to go to a four-year college, I need to get my application in really soon. But then she said, but then I thought, well, but I don't know what I want to major in, so how will I know what college I want to go to? And, well, what if I don't have the classes that I need to do this, to do that, to do this? And what if I can't get the classes next semester to do that, that, that? And, and then, well, oh, my gosh, what if I don't get my application in on time? And what will my mom think? And, oh, they'll be so disappointed in me. And the, the thoughts just kept going and getting bigger and getting out of control. And she said, I was just so, ooh, that... I went to bed and slept for 12 hours. <laughs> That's what we do when we, get, when we let that anxiety take hold of us. We usually look for some kind of escape because we don't know what to do with those thoughts that are getting us out of control. We might take a pill, get a, get a drink, uh, go read a book, binge out on a TV show, um, Go for a run. Um, that's not a bad one, but you know, we still, there are ways that we just try to escape the pressure that has happened because we've taken uh, sinful thoughts and let them get out of control. All right, so now that I've got you all anxious and <laughs> I want you to take a few minutes and on a piece of paper, I want you to write down, as you look over the last week, what kinds of things did I worry about or was I anxious about? Now, I don't want you to, I don't want you to say, well, work, kids, money, health. I, don't, I want you to be more specific. Write down something specifically that just, or a, a list <laughs> of things that caused you anxiety over the last week. So I'll give you a few minutes. I'm going to encourage you to finish this list later today or in the next few days as you think about 
this process of overcoming worry and anxiety. Uh, I asked my young college friend to write down her list of things, you know, that were causing her anxiety. Just put it all down on paper because one of the things, and my husband was the one who kind of got me started on this, is he said, well, write down everything that's swirling around in your brain because as long as it's swirling, it's like a hamster that keeps going around and it builds and, and it has power over you. And it magnifies. It doesn't just stop with one thought. It just like goes crazy. So he says, just write down all those things that are concerning you. And I asked my young friend, I said, do that. And, you know, she put them all down and it was like a page and a half. And um, I thought, well, when, we, when I meet with her the next week, I thought, okay, We'll talk about, you know, it some more. But I said, write them all down and then just kind of, you know, pray to the Lord and ask him to help you with this. So we were going to deal with what to do with it later. Well, she came back the next week and she showed me this page and she says, you know, it was amazing. I saw as I was writing all of these things down that I needed to talk to my college counselor and kind of make a plan. She made an appointment, she talked to him all before we met again. And what happened was, once she put it down, the power was taken out of the thoughts, and she was able to get some clear thinking on what was actually, you know, grabbing her heart and causing her that anxiety. And then she was able to kind of take steps to begin to do some to do what she could about those things. As long as they're up here swirling, nothing good's going to happen. Okay, so just remember that. Um, so with your list, keep those in mind as we work through the next couple, the next little bit. <clears throat> So let's look at Matthew 6, 25-34. Would somebody like to read that passage for us? It's a long one, 25-34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Oh, wait, wait, stop right there. I'm sorry, I forgot to do this. While he's reading it, and while you're looking at the scripture, I want you to think about three questions. And these questions are, what does worry reveal about our heart? What does worry reveal about our hearts? Why don't we need to worry? And why shouldn't we worry? They'll sound like they might be close, but there's a little bit of difference there. Uh, so think about those. What does it reveal about our hearts when we worry? What, why don't we need to worry, and why shouldn't we worry? So think about those and read along. With, okay, thank you. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more? Are you not of more value than they? 
and which of you, by being anxious, add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed and clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thank you. Okay, so before we get to those three questions, there are a couple things that we can learn right off the, from the start. First, the mere fact that Jesus addresses this problem tells us that it's a common problem, that he knows we have this problem, this struggle. He knows that we're going to struggle with worry, that we're going to struggle with wonder, uh, wanting to be concerned about the things of this world. And instead of seeking his kingdom. The second thing we learn by the mere fact that Jesus brings it up is that that must mean that we can stop worrying. So for those of you who've already said, well, there's no hope for me. I, it's just in my nature. I'll never get over this. He tells us not to do it. And the reason he tells us not to do it is because with the power of the Spirit working in our lives, and with Jesus' help, we can stop, which is awesome. You don't have to be stuck in this bad pattern. And then the third thing that we notice is that because it's a solvable problem, God's going to give us the way to change the way to win or overcome worry and anxiety. So those are three things right off the top. One, he knows it's a problem. Two, because he knows and he tells us to stop, we can actually stop. And then three, he gives us a way to stop. He doesn't just say, stop, like stop thinking about the red car. Well, of course you're going to think about it. You need to replace it with what we're supposed to be doing. So, And God gives us what we're supposed to be replacing it with. Okay, so from you, help me. What does worry re reveal about our heart? What do we learn in this passage? We're not trusting. What was that? We're not trusting. We're not trusting God. Oh, so when we're worrying, it's revealing that we're not trusting God. Good. What else do you see? Did you have something back there? In the back? No? <laughs> our, our focus is on the wrong things. Our focus is on the wrong things. Yes. We're focused on the things of this world and not on... What God wants us to focus on. Good. We think we can do it on our own. Yes, we think we can do it on our own. We think, hey. Uh, in fact, 
one of the problems with worry and anxiety is usually we think, oh, you know, this is such a little problem. I don't want to bother God with it. He's like in charge of the universe. I, I should be able to handle my work problem or my, this issue with my kids or whatever. And so uh, we kind of think we're in control and we can do it. And yet, uh, so it reveals a heart of thinking we can handle it. Yeah. Anything else you see? Pardon? We don't believe our value. We good. We don't believe in what God tells us about us being valued. Yes. Good. And it shows our lack of faith. You know, it reveals that we have a heart that is weak in faith. And it's interesting because he doesn't necessarily say that's bad. It's just an indicator that our faith needs to grow. And so what a great thing to see worry as, wow, Lord, this I need to really grow in my faith and in learning to trust you more. So when, when you feel yourself worrying and having anxiety, use it as a warning, a red flag. Oh, wait, I need to stop this and check my heart. Where is my faith? Am I trusting God? Am I, is God in charge? Have I forgotten that God's sovereign and that he's in charge who am I believing in myself or God so it's good to have a faith check a heart check so why don't we need to work we can't change anything oh because we can't change anything we can't change how long we live it's not going to add a single minute to our lifespan if we worry or to our kids, or to our husbands, or to anybody's lifespan. It's not going to make an iota of difference if we worry. Because ultimately all preservation really comes from God. Yes. We don't need to worry because God is the provider. And it says right here, hey, I'm going to provide for you. That's my job to provide for you. Why else don't we need to worry? Because he loves us. He loves us more than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. We're more valuable. We have value to the Lord. So we don't need to worry. He, he's, he cares. And, and I think what this shows us is he cares about the details. You know, not just the big things. He cares about the little details of our life. And he knows what we need. So we don't need to worry. So why shouldn't we worry? It steals life from us. Oh, it steals life from us. Yes. Uh, How do you see that in this passage? Um, I guess just if you're worrying, you're so focused on that, you're missing out on trusting God and, and seeing how that would look differently. Okay, so she says if we're, if we're so focused on uh, worrying, we're missing out on what God wants to provide for us, on the joy and the peace that come from letting him be our provider, for him taking care of us. 
from walking in his way, so it steals life from us. That's good. Anything else? Why? Why shouldn't we worry? Yes. Okay, so we're not being a good example to the non-believers. In fact, it says, that's what the pagans do, or the Gentiles. That's the unbelievers. The unbelievers are the ones who worry and fret and stress and get anxious over life. But those who know Jesus and know him as their provider and the one who cares for them and loves them, we don't need to be worried and anxious. And and. Uh, Others will look at us and see Jesus in us when we gain victory in this area. Why else? It uproots us from the present and makes us live in the future, allowing us to not be experiencing joy in the present. Yes, it uproots us from the present because we're living in the future. We wonder what's going to happen in the future, and we worry about all that. And he's telling us, listen, live in today. Today, we have enough to do today. Don't worry about the future. And so much of anxiety and worry has to deal with the future. The what ifs, the what abouts, and what will happen when. Good. Another reason why we shouldn't worry? Because Jesus tells us not to. He specifically commands us, stop worrying so if he's commanding that it's it's something that we need to choose to obey we shouldn't take it lightly we need to put some import to it also and i think it was mentioned it's just it's really a worthless activity it's a waste of your time to worry what more productive thing could you be doing with your mind and your heart and your life instead of worrying and being anxious? It also stops us from seeing what God is desiring to do for us because it's saying at the end, seek the first is kingdom. All these things will be added to you. So as I hang on and worry about Yes, so, so we shouldn't worry because it will keep us from experiencing all that God wants to do for us, to give us, to provide for us. It'll rob us of that joy of, have, of having God take care of us. Good. So how do we stop worrying? That's a big problem. I know you're all convinced that you're worriers and that you need to change. But how do you stop it? It seems so... It gets so out of control. Well, according to this passage that we were just looking at, what does Jesus tell us to do to stop worrying? Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek First, the kingdom of God. The fact that the word first is there indicates we need to make this a priority. Last night, Matt talked about repenting and turning. This is a, this is a turning verse. 
We need to choose to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So first off, when you find yourself worrying, stop. I need to turn. I need to seek God in this. I need to seek his way. When it says his righteousness, that's how you live rightly instead of the way you have been. Okay, what do I need to do? So the first thing is the choice. Turn and repent and seek first God's way and his righteousness. The second is found in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. The first one there, and read it. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. If you struggle with worry and anxiety, like I think maybe we all do, these are great memory verse verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time you may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, a few things that are kind of uh, a repeat, but here it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's the first thing we need to do. Well, the second after seeking, but it's kind of similar. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What does that look like? How do you humble yourself? Oh, good. When you humble yourself, you realize, wow, it's not all about me. Humbling is actually putting God in his rightful place as God Almighty, lover and carer of your soul, and that you do not have control over your life. He is the sovereign Lord with control over your life. And he cares for you. So humble yourself under him. And that, to me, comes through verbal prayer. Lord, I have been so uh, caught up in worry and anxiety that I've forgotten that you are the sovereign Lord who loves me and is in control of my life. Forgive me, Lord. Humble yourself under his mighty hand, and he will exalt you. And then it says, casting all your cares on him. Okay. Here's, you know, I I don't like the picture of just casting out a, you know, fishing rod. I like to think of casting (laughs) all your cares on him. But here, like, put a cloth out. Write your list or get your list, you know. uh, Imagine yourself putting all of those cares in this cloth and then wrapping it up and then saying, here, Lord, and throwing it at him. And he'll catch it and take it, put it in his arms, and he'll say, let me take this. I've got it. Don't try to take it back. (laughs) I've got it. I'm your Lord. I love you. And I want to take care of these things. So cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. All right, now let's look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. These are also scriptures that help us in how to stop worry, how to overcome it. And I have to tell you, this is not something that you get over just like that. Remember, life 
as a disciple is a journey. For those of us who struggle with worry and anxiety, it's going to be, we're going to have to relearn. And breaking old habits takes time. Putting in new habits takes time. So be patient with yourself, but recognize, hey, I'm in a process, and I want to win this battle. And, you know, we'll do it wrong sometimes, or we'll let it get to where we get immobilized, and then we go, oh, my gosh, I need to bow my knee before the Father and come back to him. Um, Just do it. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, in Philippians, we learn to offer prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So think about, you know, you have your list of all the things that you've been worried and anxious about this week. What would you like to see God do? What are your hopes? Maybe maybe you're having a, a big project due at work or at school and and there's too many unknowns or there's just anxiety about having enough time to do it or having your coworkers or your fellow students be there to do their part and you know there's just a whole lot going on how do you bring this to the lord in a prayer and supplication supplication is like almost like a begging or god i need you to do this so you say lord i'm i'm really anxious or worried about my school project this week. Uh, I don't know if so-and-so is going to do their part, and I'm worried about my grade, and if I don't get a good grade on this. I mean, write down your concerns to the Lord. I would love for you to lead me and show me what I need to do and help me do my best, and then I'm going to trust you with the rest of the plan. And what does it say is going to happen? It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you come before the Lord and bring your anxieties to him and then ask him to take care of this situation, when you, when you bring it to him and then you thank him for being the loving, caring God who wants to take care of you, who's concerned about your grade or your kids or your marriage or whatever's going on. God knows. Then the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. What a great thing to have that peace. Then we have Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Uh, 5 through 8. Sorry. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. And I'd like you all to turn there and I'd like you all to commit to memorizing this. Because you need to. (laughs) Who would like to read that? Verses 5 through 8 of Proverbs 3. 
Okay, stand up and turn around so oh, they can wow. hear you. Okay. I know, I'm going to make you perfect. anxious. Don't, yeah. don't get anxious. <laughs> Five to eight? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path, you will make straight your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Okay, thank you. So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. So, how do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Well, I think he tells us, in all your ways acknowledge him. And I think of that as just keeping God in the loop. He, he wants to be in on all that's going on in your life. And you need to bring it to him. He knows it. But he wants you to come before him. Acknowledge him in everything that's going on. And what's the promise? He'll make your paths straight. It goes on, don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't think you've got control and that you can handle it. Fear the Lord. So seek him for help. And then it says, and it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. What a great thing for those who struggle with anxiety. That takes over the body, the head, the stomach, the anxiety that reigns in your heart. If you begin to trust the Lord and acknowledge him in all your ways, bring those things. Cast your anxieties on him. One, he'll make your path straight. Wow, what a neat blessing. Because usually we're anxious about what we're supposed to do. He'll make your path straight. And two, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So much of our health issues can be related to our spiritual anxiety, you know, our anxieties. And here he's promising to help in that. Well, may you uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may you choose to obey his word. And I thank you for letting me speak to you today. And I pray that you will be victorious as you work through your worry and anxiety. God bless.